situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Bob Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers we know it. Ask me about my at the end of 1945, Branch Rickey and Jackie Robinson came to an agreement that Jackie Robinson was going to play professional baseball for the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time, ending a 60-year drought where a black player hadn't played in the major leagues with white players. The stipulation that was made, an agreement, was that Jackie Robinson was not going to fight back or... Um, do anything to resist any of the issues that were going to be thrown his way in regards to race as he broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. And I bring this up because this agreement was for three years, from 1946, 47, and 48. He finally was allowed to fight back starting in 1949, but by that time had established himself and credibility for... You know, something that had not, for whatever reason, changed by that point. Tim Anderson, a African-American shortstop for the Chicago White Sox, could he have done what Jackie Robinson did? And I think it's almost an embarrassment, and I'll touch on it in a little bit because I think this really, really grinds my gears. How this person could say that he is, <laughs> on any level, the same as Jackie Robinson. Now, we've, we've been in a situation before where we hear um, disputes between two people, and you can make it as personable as you want. You could say, hey, your two parents are arguing, and both of them are going to, from their perspective, think they're right. But from the outside, what do they look like? They look like two people that can't get along with each other. You hear a loud argument between two people that are just arguing with each other. You don't know who the aggressor is. You don't know who the victim is. Or you don't believe that a victim even exists in either situation. And the reason I bring this up is because you look at both Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson, two Major League Baseball players, and I have a hard time sympathizing with either one of them in this particular situation. We'll start out with Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson's got a reputation for being a tantalizer, for being a, uh, I don't know, a shit talker. Um, always involved in altercations, whether it's with pitchers, whether it's with other players. Most of the opposition does not like Josh Donaldson. So for the years upon years he's played, his precedent has, uh, you know, he, his past has preceded him. So you know what Josh Donaldson is coming into us. So Josh Donaldson makes a statement, says, hey, this is all that I did. This is all that I said. It's very hard for Josh Donaldson at this stage of his career, this stage of the game, and this stage of everything that he has brought to the table and shown you from his past, from his permanent record, that would make you want to believe and trust in anything that he says. Tim Anderson comes off very weak in this situation. He does. Now, if it's the simple nature of call, him being called Jackie Robinson that really bothered him, I, I think he should have looked in the mirror at the person that he believes 
is his hero. And I could say absolutely, unequivocally, one of my heroes is Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, not only for what he did on the baseball field, not only what he did uh, crossing and finally uh, getting through the color barrier that for whatever reason existed in baseball, but the way he went about it, the way he went about it for the betterment of other people that came after him. I can't see Tim Anderson doing that. I have no issue with Tim Anderson looking up to Jackie Robinson. I have no issue with Tim, with Tim Anderson even saying that he feels like Jackie Robinson. Maybe. Maybe the, uh, the lack of amount of black players in Major League Baseball, and we watched that number dwindle over the past 10 or 20 years or so, that would be a legitimate point. He feels, hey, I'm, I'm one of very few. So he could have had that point, but once again, he comes off looking very, very weak in this situation. And the last person that he should compare himself to, like I said, I gave you reasons why he should admire Jackie Robinson, but the last person he is to compare himself to is Jackie Robinson. Because Tim Anderson could not have handled what Jackie Robinson went through. He could not have gone three years without taking the, the taunts that he was taking back in 1946 to 1948. And let's be serious. Racism exists out there. And until there is no racism whatsoever, there should be a battle to end racism. Tim Anderson isn't dealing with Jackie Robinson, what Jackie Robinson dealt with from 1946 to 1948, and probably long past that, probably throughout his entire Major League career. Tim Anderson may have heard a thing or two here and there that he may not have wanted to hear. But he didn't deal with what Jackie Robinson went through. And he, he, he handled it with class, he handled it with dignity, and listen, it may have had something to do with Jackie Robinson not living a full life, Dying in 1972 at the age of, what, 52 or 53? I'm sure one had to do with the other. But Tim Anderson is not as mentally tough as Jackie Robinson. Tim Anderson should not be mentioned in the same breath with Jackie Robinson. And then you look at Josh Donaldson. Like I said, this is a person that has, has been a problem. He's involved in altercations all the time, going back to his days with the athletics. From the Athletics to the Blue Jays to the Indians to the Braves to the Twins and now with the Yankees. And if you're a fan, listen, if you're a fan of the team that Josh Donaldson happens to play for, you're going to take a side. But all you have to do is watch how many different teams that he's played for, by the way. You know, the fact that he hasn't really stayed in one city. Okay, you get a pass for getting traded from the Oakland Athletics. Because the Oakland Athletics don't have the money to pay any ball players, They should be a contracted baseball team, for crying out loud. But he went to the Blue Jays, where he won an MVP. They traded him. The Indians didn't hold on to him after they acquired him. The Braves signed him for a year. Signed a bigger deal with the Twins. The Twins just traded him. So all these different teams that don't hold on to Josh Donaldson for a long time tells me something about his impact in his own very clubhouse. Let alone the obvious fact that if you're not on Josh Donaldson's team, you probably don't like him. You probably despise him. And like I said, if this was the first altercation that Josh Donaldson was involved in, I think you would give him, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a pass. 
hey, he just said Jackie. He just called him Jackie Robinson. It wasn't a compliment. And for Tim Anderson to say, hey, this is the person that I feel like. Listen, Tim, you're wrong, dude. <laughs> you're not Jackie Robinson. You never will be Jackie Robinson. Your name shouldn't be mentioned in the same breath as Jackie Robinson. Let's make that clear. Because that, that's the one point of this that isn't going to be brought out there enough. Because we're going to make this to be about race. Which, listen, when we're talking about race, these things are going to keep coming up. And there's people out there that are going to say, hey, race is only for black people to talk about. No. Listen, we've come a long way from the way things were 50, 60 years ago. And Tim Anderson should look in the mirror and maybe read a little bit more about what Jackie Robinson went through. None of it was justified. None of it should have ever happened. It was all 100% wrong. And I denounced everybody and anybody that treated people the way that they treated people, especially in the Jim Crow South. Tim Anderson can believe that he feels like Jackie Robinson in regards to the lack of black players in baseball. And if that was his point, I have no issue with it. But he could not wash Jackie Robinson's jockstrap. He could not shine Jackie Robinson's shoes. It has nothing to do with the talent on the baseball field. Tim Anderson's a hell of a ball player. I like him in the middle of that lineup with the Chicago White Sox, where he's batting lead off, all the different things he does for the game. I'm totally cool with him and his celebration. He wants to take the bat after he hits a home run and friggin' throw it, throw it into the field. He can do that. I'm all about excitement. I'm all about the positivity of bringing excitement back into baseball, which Tim Anderson was part of that movement a couple years ago. <laughs> Just stay in your lane, Tim, because you're not Jackie Robinson. You never will be Jackie Robinson. You don't have it in your heart and your soul to be what Jackie Robinson was. And Jackie Robinson, as much as he stood up for the rights of African Americans. He also understood what needed to happen to be part of the change. And he wanted to be the change. And let's be serious. I don't look at Tim Anderson and say that he wants to be part of the solution. I believe he, he wants to be part of the divide. He wants to make this out to be hey, a black versus white thing. And I, don't, I never got that impression from Jackie Robinson. You know, I, I watched him, I watched Martin Luther King, and to understand where they were coming from about equality, I, I don't see Tim Anderson looking for the same thing. I think Tim Anderson's looking for pity. He is. Let's be serious, dude. You cannot hold Jackie Robinson's jockstrap for your impact on baseball. You could not do what Jackie Robinson did. You're not you're not strong enough mentally. And like I said, you look at the other side, Josh Donaldson, anybody has any sympathy for him, or you're out of your ever-loving mind. I don't care how much of a Yankee fan you are. I don't care how much of a Josh Donaldson fan you are. 
Once again, good player. He's had a good career. But why does he keep bouncing from team to team? There's something wrong with him in regards to his ability to stay on a major league roster. You know, the Twins made a commitment, a four-year contract, when they don't sign players to long-term deals. And they couldn't wait to move him. For what? Gio Urshela? They traded Donaldson for Gio Urshela. It just shows you how he wears on his own teammates in his own clubhouses. So I'm going to bounce from this to another topic. Magic Johnson was talking about the need for the Los Angeles Lakers to try to find a way to work with Russell Westbrook and make Russ maximize his talents in Los Angeles. And I've brought this up a couple times because I think this is a very interesting topic because Russell Westbrook is a very good player in his own right. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's Mr. Triple-Double. He's revolutionized the game. He's a player that is a very good individual. And track records will show that he has not been the greatest teammate. Now, this statement saying, hey, Russ Westbrook has not been the greatest teammate is not going to be backed by the players that he played with. Nobody's going to look back and say, Russell Westbrook was a bad teammate. But the reason he's a bad teammate is he hasn't seemed to make those around him any better. And when it comes down to it in basketball, when you're judged as being one of the greats of all time, winning is very important. And being part of a winning culture is very important. And Russell Westbrook went from perhaps being part of a dream duo with LeBron James and Anthony Davis to being in a situation now where the Lakers ideally would like to get rid of him. Now you hear Magic Johnson, and there's a couple different things that Magic says that kind of get under my skin here, but there's also a couple things that I agree with. Russell Westbrook's contract is $47 million for next season. The Lakers could trade him. They could move him to another squad. I think there's a handful of different scenarios that you could make with a bunch of different teams where something can reasonably be worked out. Two things are going to happen that the Lakers are going to have to take on with this. They could absolve themselves from Westbrook's contract in a trade. But they're going to have to give up multiple first-round draft picks. And odds are they're going to take bad contracts back that are going to last longer than just this next season. The one thing that Westbrook has that the Lakers should have a little interest in is the fact that he has signed just through this year. He's on an expiring contract. If you want to get rid of Westbrook so bad, you're going to have to take on contracts that are not good in their own right and are going to run longer than Westbrook's contract this season. And I think that's something that's very important to think about. If you're the Lakers, and that's why I agree in this area with Magic Johnson when he says that Russell Westbrook being on the Lakers for this season is probably best for the organization. The part that I disagree with is his feeling that there's going to be this dream coach out there that is somehow going to, with some X's and O's, come up with this game plan to maximize the talent and ability of Russ Westbrook 
and maybe do something that Frank Vogel was unable to do last year. Because once again, it's an underhanded slap in the face of Frank Vogel, who has been a very good coach in the NBA for a long time and, oh yeah, won a championship just three years ago. There's a coach out there that's somehow going to get something out of Russell Westbrook that we didn't see last year. Is it a matter of how he's played? Is it a matter of what scheme that he's brought in? I mean, maybe the Lakers, if they have a pure point guard and play Russ off the point, maybe that could work out a little bit. But remember, Russell is a dominant ball handler that pretty much does his own thing. And what I've seen with Russell Westbrook, and like I said, I preface this by saying he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he probably ranks maybe in the top 30 or the top 40 of all time when you come to the greatest players to ever play in the NBA. I put him up there with John Stockton. I put him up there with Oscar Robinson. I, I can, you know, like I said, when I put this list together, it's co- consisting of everybody that ever played in the NBA, breaking down all different times. And I don't want to jump back into this monologue where I always talk about how we don't appreciate the players that played in prior generations under different circumstances. But Russ is one of the top 50, top 40 players to ever play in the NBA. He's out there to play for Russ, though. He's an individual. He wants to bring the ball up. He wants to distribute it. He wants to get his 20 points, his 10 rebounds, and his 10 assists. And if he does that, he'll say in his own mind, hey, I did my job. And then you'll look at the scoreboard, hey, we lost, but I did my job. And unfortunately, in a major stage like Los Angeles with the Lakers, that doesn't work. And you look at the Lakers last year, and you look at the Lakers this year, and you they are every bit their record of what they were this past season. And guess what? Russell Westbrook didn't miss many games. You know, we look at Russ, and it's not like it's not like he didn't get a whole lot of uh, action out of him. You know, LeBron missed a lot, right? A time, obviously, Anthony Davis missed a ton of time. And you look at the construction of this roster. Will LeBron James, will Anthony Davis, will Russell Westbrook? <laughs> you know, Westbrook played in 78 games. LeBron played in 56. Anthony Davis played in 40. You know, not having Davis out there on the court was very a very big factor. But Russ for the most part, and, and in a lot of situations, had a chance to kind of be his own superstar due to things that he's done in other cities, whether it's OKC, whether it's Houston, last year or the, the other year in Washington, where he was kind of the alpha male, the dominant man in the room, the dominant player on the court that's going to score and rebound and, and, and do all the things that he could do. And you're going to blame coaching? Coaching was the reason that Russell Westbrook didn't have his most inspiring season? He he didn't look like he was a fit on that roster. And you tell me that there's going to be a coach out there that's going to be able to change that. I, I don't agree. The one thing that has to be looked at is the Lakers and their system right now. Because you're looking at great players. But you're also looking at a lot of turnover when it comes to the coaching position. Phil Jackson coached 
for a very long time, probably longer than a lot of people think. What was that five years? 11 seasons he coached the Los Angeles Lakers from the years of 1999 through 2011. And remember, he didn't coach in 2004-2005. Rudy Tomjanovich and um, Hamblin were the coaches. They ended up, what, finishing 34-48. and 48. Had a winning season every other year that Phil was the coach there. Now, it helps having Shaq and Kobe, and certainly Kobe and Pau Gasol towards the end. You know, you win five championships, you get to two more NBA finals. And the Lakers were having one of their better runs. Now, they ha- really haven't done that since. Mike Brown took over. You know, Bernie Bickerstaff, Mike D'Antoni, Byron Scott, Luke Walton, Frank Vogel, and whoever the next lame duck that they bring in is probably only going to be here for a couple years. And I think that's the issue with the Los Angeles Lakers. It's a lack of stability. I don't think it has anything to do with Russ Westbrook. or It has minimal to do with Russ Westbrook. Minimal to do with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Sure, uh, are they the right players together for this franchise? Is there minor adjustments that you're going to be able to make that's going to make the, this team um, have a little more cohesion together? The Lakers proved that they could win with LeBron and AD. Westbrook goes there, and all of a sudden, you know, they're nine games worse. You know, they're 16 games under 500 after being 12 over in 2021. In 2021, obviously, they went to the playoffs. They lost in the first round. They were 52 and 19 in the uh, um, bubble shortened 2020 season when they won the NBA Finals. You know, a lot of people say that was a fluke. It wasn't real. Okay. You know, Luke Walton was forced out there. Like I said, Byron Scott never really had much of a chance. You know, this was, these were bad Laker teams, though, in the uh, early Luke Walton, the Byron Scott days. Mike D'Antoni goes there for a couple years. And, of course, Mike Brown. But since Phil Jackson was their head coach, they've had no stability at the head coaching position. And I don't know, you know what that means. In other words, the next person you hire, are you going to say, hey, we're going to make sure they're here for the next 10 years? Because whoever it is, unless the Lakers are winning championships, are, are going to take a lot of shit. They're going to hear a lot of crap from the media because the expectation of winning in Los Angeles with the Lakers is right up there with winning when it comes to the New York Yankees. It's right up there with winning when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. And that's why there's so many fans out there that happen to root for the Lakers, the Cowboys, and the Yankees. Because those three franchises are all synonymous with winning. And just getting to the playoffs and advancing deep year after year is not good enough. The coach, whoever's in charge, is always going to be on the hot seat. But it doesn't mean that you can't have stability within your franchise. If you you look at the NBA and the fact that it's a player's league, I, I've, I've suggested before, why not consider player coaches? Maybe somebody that's a rotation, you know, maybe that's not a rotation player. But I would, I would go even further to say, hey, somebody that's a major part of the team on the court could be the head coach or at least be an assistant coach. The, pl- the league is run by the players. And you look at these coaches 
And they're lame ducks for many reasons. And one of them is the fact that I don't know if they have the appropriate connection with the players that are in this game. They don't do what, what the players can do. You, know, you bring in a point guard like a Steve Nash and you say, hey, he should be a good coach. Steve Kerr was not a star, was not a Hall of Famer as a player. Maybe he understood the X's and O's a little bit better you know, because he came off the bench a lot. Okay. But what makes a coach great? I, I hate to break it down to you in the most simplest of form, but it's winning. Coaches that happen to win are considered geniuses. Red Arback was a genius. You know why? Because he, he won a bunch of championships as a head coach. Phil Jackson is a genius. Not because of any individual trait, but because he won 11 championships as a head coach. Steve Kerr is looked at as a genius. Greg Popovich is a genius. You know why? Because they won. Winning is the only thing that's going to define how good of a head coach it is, a, a head coach is. And it's almost like you're kind of seeing what happened first, the chicken or the egg. Because you want to have somebody that commands that type of respect, somebody that you're going to believe in enough that you can get through a little bit of adversity. Because I don't think that you're set up to really do that. Frank Vogel has a little bit of a bad time. All of a sudden, all the faith in Frank Vogel is lost from the organization to the players. Are the Lakers going to stand up and believe in the coach that they have? And go through some adversity and be able and willing to have a bad season and still have 100% the backing of their head coach and have 10 years go by and say the players that come in here are going to have to deal with this person who was entrenched as the head coach. If the Lakers want to change their fortune and become a consistent winner, that's what they freaking have to do. Is the past ball show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you Thursday for another edition of the past ball show. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on it in my life. Now they come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at him. Well, we're going, we don't need 
put their tail between their legs, decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right, better give him a contract extension. You damn well right, better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.